0: Growing with Ashley Frasca.
1: Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries
0: on
2: 95.5 WSB. Hey guys, welcome to a new Saturday morning, March 6th. So glad you're waking up with us. I'm Ashley Frasca, host of Green and Growing, as you've heard. We have a three-hour show up ahead. I'm really excited, antsy to get into spring. I mean, I think I started off the show the same way Last Saturday, but the more warm weather and nice days we're having, it's just really, really getting close. I'm getting excited, and you just heard the weather forecast too. So the weekend's going to be nice, temperatures in the 60s, but there is a chance still that we'll experience some winter weather. Uh, earlier this week, I shared with you on the Green and Growing Facebook page, uh, Kirk Mellish's spring outlook. Right, he he writes a blog. Uh, you know, forecasting the weather and looking at trends and looking at patterns and things like that. So, that is definitely a good read. And it's posted on wsbradio.com. You can get to it when you click weather. And that takes you to everything you need to know about Kirk and about the weather and all that kind of thing. But as gardeners, we obviously, you know, have a, a very symbiotic relationship with what's going on outdoors. So, we need to know. How to plan for spring. And you just got to read carefully what Kirk is saying about maybe planting between Easter, which is April 4th this year, and Tax Day, of course, April 15th. So we're not out of the woods yet. And at some point in the show, I'm going to be talking to Meredith Stone with Georgia Power, still about the threat of winter weather and just how that affects us, how we can be ready, and all of that. And I'm really excited in the second hour of the show. I, I find all these things online and do research throughout the week. And I was made aware by by the Von Hessler Doctrine of all places, listening to the show one day on my way home after my traffic shift, that uh, World Wildlife Day was March 3rd. Had no idea that was a thing. They were talking about it. They were kind of joking about it. But I did a little bit of my own research. And yeah, World Wildlife Day was actually quite a big deal, I think, with the United Nations and some other organizations. They were doing virtual, like worldwide virtual uh, webinars and things like that for folks And uh, you know some high-ranking people speaking but, but basically the gist of that for this show today I wanted to localize that a little more And talk about forests in Georgia And how they sustain us How they sustain people's livelihoods The ecosystems we depend on And I know if you're a city dweller in downtown Atlanta You're just looking at a couple of trees that are planted in a sidewalk You may not think that you're really affected by that But there definitely is such a thing As a rural forest, of course, we think of middle Georgia, south Georgia, maybe even parts of north Georgia, of course, and urban forests. So I'm going to have on uh, Troy Clymer. He's an associate chief of forest management with the Georgia Forestry Commission to talk a little bit about that. I'm excited to learn some more just about what we can be doing, you know, to make the world a better place, uh, some environmental things. So in this segment, talking about two things in particular... Last Saturday, I had Clint Waltz on from the University of Georgia, turfgrass specialist And that was, I think, in the second hour of the show For for those of you that tune in early now, I'm going to play back just a little bit About what Clint had to say about pre-emergence herbicides A lot of you are going to start seeing those weeds pop up in your landscape And you want to know what to do about them So we're going to hear from Clint in just a few minutes But first, for those of you who aren't trying to maintain a lawn And you want something a little more low-maintenance I mean. I I got somewhat disheartened yesterday. I mowed the grass. I've got fescue, a fescue lawn, and I mowed the grass yesterday. And really what I was mowing was the weeds, and I just mowed them all. So they're uniform height with what little bit of grass I have. And it looks better because you certainly don't see the the flowers and the seed heads and all that kind of stuff for the weeds growing. So it definitely looks better, but... I'm just wondering at what point I give up, you know So for those of you that just don't have the time, you don't have the patience Low-maintenance landscape ideas I got some of these from the Clemson uh, Cooperative Extension But when you think about that, stuff to put in place of grass But you still want it to be beneficial to the environment You still want to have a natural look Planning is key Just analyzing your site, determining what sun you have still If you need to determine what plants That you're going to plant and things like that Soil drainage and runoff And you know how wet one area Stays versus another um, Whether you need to maybe bring in some dirt Or somehow prevent erosion If you have an area that um, Is runoff you know that could get really involved If you have to consider Drains and, and Retention walls and things like that So that would probably take like a Landscape architect from Pike to kind of do that But just analyze your needs too You know, what you want for your yard Do you want it to be a friendly environment Where the kids are playing Or a place that you can just be outside and and be relaxed So a design for low-maintenance landscapes Can include beds rather than lawn areas, right? You have a large bed where you can just plant things That you have color to look at You have texture, you have different heights You can attract pollinators You can attract birds um, Even edging, that's just going to save some time Again, maybe prevent some of the runoff uh, Keeping mulch in place in those beds, things like that And hardscaping, you can always think of pavers, fences, patios, walkways Anything you do with pavers uh, Hardscaping is going to be something to consider too And then plant selection Again, once you analyze the site, you're realizing If you have something that needs shade versus sun Trees and shrubs Uh, Woody plants are going to require a lot less maintenance than other plants And we've kind of talked about over the last couple of months Times to prune those and really keep them in check if you've got a smaller area And I had a good call last weekend about ground covers You know, folks looking for recommendations for ground covers too So you always have that as an option If it's a juga or some kind of wildflower spot maybe um, Again, attracting pollinators Mondo grass, something like that So that's always... A consideration, you don't always have to listen to the show and think Well, I don't have a lawn, I'm going to turn the radio off Because what she's saying doesn't apply to me But uh, good ideas for low-maintenance landscapes I may share some of those on the Facebook page Again, when you go to Facebook, just search Green and Growing WSB But yeah, the conversation I had with Clint Waltz about pre-emergence herbicides For those of you who are trying to get ahead And you want to produce a great spring and summer lawn Here you go It doesn't matter the lawn that we have We have tall fescue, we've got Bermuda, we may have some centipede But really what we're honing in on here with this discussion is the treatment of weeds So here in the South we have all kinds of weeds that grow the same in any of those lawns, right? Pretty much, yes So people's complaints most often on the show Crabgrass and annual bluegrass Poa annua are two of the right. the big complaints So let's start with those If we use a pre-emergent herbicide That means it's preventative We're going to go ahead and put that down So we see less crabgrass Or less annual bluegrass in the lawn Share with us the timing on that That would be most effective
1: And let's go start actually With a little bit of understanding Those two different weed species Because they're almost opposites of each other Okay. Um, annual bluegrass is a both are annuals. Both bluegrass and, and crabgrass are annuals, so they do their entire life cycle in one season. But uh, annual bluegrass is a cool season annual grassy weed. So it actually germinates in September, October, and then throughout the winter some. So putting out a pre-emergence here in uh, February, March, or April really isn't going to do any good for for annual bluegrass or, or poanya. And the reason people are seeing it now is because it's up, it's growing, it's starting to flower out, and you get the little seed heads on it, they're white. And, and that kind of So for poanya, you, you need to do that, and you pre emergence on that, end of August, early September. Crabgrass, on the other hand, is a summer annual grassy weed. It's going to do, it's growing in the summertime, which means you have to put your pre-emergence out for it, to control it in the spring. So understanding the biology between those two weeds certainly helps you be effective with with that herbicide application and controlling those weeds.
2: So we also need to know whether it is a grassy weed or a broadleaf weed. I can remember you saying that a pre-emergent herbicide is a little more effective on one of these than another. So you talked about managing expectations there.
1: Our pre-emergence herbicides are much more effective on grassy weeds than they are on broadleaf weeds. They have a little bit of activity on broadleaf weeds, but they're, it's not real good. So the common pre-emergence herbicides that are used out there in the market are, are far more effective on things like uh, annual bluegrass, crabgrass. A degree as well on goosegrass, foxtails, uh, in our grassy species, and they are all on like dandelion or even something like a spurge or clover or something along those lines. Germination must occur for a pre emergence herbicide to work. That weed seed has to have the right environmental conditions, so the right temperatures, the right light, the right moisture, and that weed seed germinates. And if a pre emergence herbicide is present, as it puts out that root, that first root that comes out of the seed, That root comes in contact with a herbicide The herbicide's taken up into that seedling very early on And kills that seedling very early on in this developmental process As opposed to preventing that seed from actually germinating at all So a difference between broadleaf and grassy weeds Is that the uptake that may happen right there with that first root May be much greater in grassy weeds than it is in in broadleaf weeds
2: We kind of want the pre-emergent herbicide there on the ready As these seeds are going to start to germinate And like you said, they have to have the right conditions Be it soil temperature, air temperature So when we start thinking about the applications of pre-emergent herbicides What environmental conditions are we waiting on?
1: Well, for crabgrass, for example And that's what we're putting pre-emergence out for right now Is for the summer annual grassy weeds So, for example, crabgrass It germinates when air temperatures and that surface soil temperature reach about 55 degrees Which, for us here in Georgia, will be variable between Valdosta and Elegya But in the Atlanta metro area, that can occur anywhere from, say, mid to late April, uh, depending on where you are, maybe some years, actually a little bit earlier than that. So your pre-emergent herbicides have to be out before that germination occurs, because if your germination occurs and the root gets down below where that herbicide is, then it can pull water and nutrients from the soil below that herbicide, and the plant will survive. Uh, the absolute key to pre-emerge herbicide effectively working Is getting it out prior to germination So getting it out early is is, is important
2: And we've talked about, you know, the drop-dead date In which it floats But March 15th is kind of a good reminder A good date to think of you got to have it done by then But the sooner the better um, I think Clint made a good point there That it can stay, you know, in that first couple of inches in the soil For weeks That's why you don't want to put grass seed out Too close to when you put a pre-emergent application Because it's going to work In those top couple of inches of soil For a number of weeks, couple of months Um, So best done early It's still going to be in the soil and, And get to those seeds as they're germinated But man, I'm seeing a lot of stuff pop up So thanks to Clint Waltz for that Good advice for those of you that need to hear it About pre-emergence herbicides Well, I want to hear what you've been working on 404-872-0750 I know a lot of us are starting to get busy in the landscape Jason, my producer, just said He and his wife spent maybe 20 hours in the yard this past week I myself at least spent 5 or 6, I think So I need to do a little bit better But yeah, call the show 404-872-0750 It's green and growing We'll be right back on WSB
1: Here's Ashley
2: All right, back to green and growing 624, the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing Saturday, that's today A high of 55, it is going to be overcast Kind of how we ended the day yesterday Just kind of gloomy, but nevertheless warmer A low around 33, mostly cloudy to partly cloudy Tomorrow, sunny High of 61, again low of 33 0% chance for precipitation As far as I can see Ahead into Wednesday So I really like that So uh, coming up later in the show I'll do the top three things You need to know Because you can do them This weekend You can be doing them Throughout the week We're not going to be hampered By any precipitation At least not yet So I want to bring along Two of my coworkers For the short segment We've got about two minutes Mike Shields In the Traffic Center Are you there? Hey good morning Alright so you've been Asking me a couple of things You're itching to get out there And take care of your grass And Jason Byers My producer and I We're just talking about that too Jason let me start with you What lawn do you have?
1: Uh, I have centipede.
2: Okay, and what what product did you just tell me you used? Uh, Scott X. Mm -hmm. Scott Weed X? Yeah, Weed X. So what were you looking to accomplish there?
3: Just uh, um, towards the back half of our yard, it's a little shadier, and uh, the centipede doesn't grow very well there, and it has been taken over by weeds. I've been a little lazy about uh, weed control over the last couple years, and it's starting to get bad, so I'm hoping to I want it to be green, just not complete weeds yeah
2: exactly right and then mike you've got kind of probably what's common in like newer construction homes i think you've got one grass in the front and one grass in the back right
3: yeah that's right i have uh, bermuda in the front and in the back i cleared out a lot of trees on my own and i just put down uh, fescue seed
2: so what have you found looks better you know for the for the little time y'all have been in that in that home
3: well, I, I like the fescue in the back because it is shaded a lot by a lot of the trees in, uh, behind our fence, and uh, we have a lot of woods behind us, so the fescue has done pretty good. Uh, the problem is that the first time putting down the seed, there's a lot of rock and stuff on the ground, so it, uh, some of it was hard to to take, but it's actually reappearing. We had a tough season last, last fall, and we talked about that with the heat and the drought, Uh, But it's starting to come back this uh, this spring so far. So I'm, I'm excited about it.
2: Yeah, fescue, a cool season grass, you know, so it really struggles in the heat of the summer. But you talked about, and I'm really glad I did a little bit of research for you. You picked up like another Scott's product. I think you said like. Turf Builder Triple Action, right?
3: Yes, I got Scott's Turf Builder Triple Action Weed and Feed for Southern lawns.
2: Okay, yep. So that is like a three-in-one. It prevents and kills weeds. It has a little thing against fire ants and then just overall strengthens the lawn against heat and drought. It is good for warm season lawns, but I'm looking on here, for some reason, when you read the label, it says, do not use on Bermuda grass. Ah, so it's not going to do you any good. On the fescue, you may want to return it and swap it out But we'll talk about that off the air Guys, thanks, I'm really glad to kind of hear what you're working on And maybe some folks can follow your lead Because I haven't done anything I think I just need to maybe strengthen up my fescue And lay some seed down But I'm not going to do pre-emergence Because they'll obviously work against each other But uh, we'll get out there in a couple of weeks and start on it All right, time to take a break And we'll be right back to Green and Growing With your calls on WSB
0: The grass is always green around the other side Caterpillar to a butterfly It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca
1: Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff Brought to you by Pike Nurseries
2: On 95.5 WSB I can tell a lot of you feel the same way as me Hey, it's Ashley Frasca Green and Growing is on right now until 9 o'clock this morning So I've got some great calls, Gerald And also Jason Want to talk about Fescue lawns Which it is the time To start thinking about that I started off the show By saying I mowed mine uh, For the first time In a while And then Eddie May have a new tool That he's anxious to use And Nicole wants to talk About daffodils But first things first Right now our lawns Are covered in leaves So we got to start The tidying up process So who better to talk with About that Than Walter Reeves Walter's
3: Wondering Walter's Wondering The definitive questions And answers From WSB's OG Garden Guru Walter Reeves.
2: All right, in this segment, folks, Walter Reeves, former host of the Lawn and Garden Show, joins me every week about things he's been observing, things he wonders about. We can all learn from this, but this time I have something I'm wondering about, Walter.
4: Okay. So I'm going to turn the
2: tables on you here.
4: Uh, What are you wondering?
2: So I've been thinking a lot about, you know, this show applies to not only people who have acres and acres and maybe farms and have listened for years and years, but also... The city folk, too, who maybe are on half an acre, maybe less, don't have a lot of yard, but they love their trees, okay? So we all have the same problem about this time of year. You've raked up the leaves, you've piled them, you've done whatever you do to all of those fallen leaves. And then what do you do with them? So there have been a lot of questions asked of you in previous years. What if I leave them piled around a tree? What if I just leave them piled on the lawn, what's going to happen? Does that you know, suck up nutrients, potential right. nutrients and things from the soil? Because you're smothering the soil in a sense. So what is the best thing to do with our piles of leaves as we're looking to tidy it up for the spring?
4: You could almost say that everything you mentioned has a purpose possibly for some People, for some landscapes, leaving them on the lawn might be the right thing to do. So mulch the area where you're not growing grass, just leave the leaves there. Underneath a magnolia tree, for instance, is where I leave all the magnolia leaves. Why not? Nothing else will grow there. They'll let the leaves be there. Um, put them out on the street in a bag for the garbage people to take away. And DeKalb County leaves several other counties around. They compost those leaves and make them available then for the citizens to come and pick up. So it's free. Great. great county service in some of the counties around Atlanta. Um, you can also bag them up yourself And then, or rake them up yourself And pile them up to compost to, to deteriorate and then use that Compost in the beds and flower beds And things you have around the house I know some people who pile them up in the woods behind their house Way back in the back of the uh, property And that's, I guess, appropriate in some cases so. It seems
2: wasteful, though, because you can Get so creative with things You know, reusing things yeah. and composting That, I mean, that's what I do I put them back in my wood line near the creek, but They could actually be beneficial, and I'm not really utilizing that.
4: It might be useful to know that you can speed up the process of composting those leaves two ways. One would be, before you pile them up in the back of the yard, back of the uh, woods, is to shred them, if you possibly can, shred them with the lawnmower, and then pile them up and bag them up and drag them back in the back. Or if you have a bagging lawnmower, of course, you empty your bag back in the back. The other way can be used in conjunction with that, and that's to put fertilizer on the pile. Hmm. Yeah, you can put any bag of, of old, knotty, you know, fertilizers you've had for three years in the shed, it's all lumpy and you can't put it in the spreader. You take take two or three handfuls of that and just throw it on the pile of leaves. That will increase the speed of decomposition and make the leaves turn into compost faster.
2: Wow, interesting. Yeah,
4: that's easy to do. Old fertilizer, sure, you can still use it, use it for that, use it to make your compost pile go faster.
2: So you talked about leaving, you know, for example, magnolia leaves, which are larger, yeah. leaving those up under a magnolia tree, fine. But what about some people who've used the blowers and things And they've got all these leaves piled up under other trees My concern mm. or my wonder there would be What about the root system?
4: you got to be careful You don't want the leaves to mat down So that they keep oxygen and water and stuff Going back and forth in the soil We know about water But it's really important to always think about Roots have to breathe And so making a matty, rotted sort of layer of leaves A couple of inches thick Underneath the tree where you'd like the tree to be healthy You want it to breathe you want the roots to breathe. So if they mat down, some are worse than others But if the leaves mat down, then break them up or remove them
2: That's one of my favorite things to do in the beginning of spring You just, you have such a sense of accomplishment By that one task of raking and blowing leaves for the final time Because just with that one action your yard almost instantly looks cleaner and tidier and better. So that's a good start, maybe yeah. for folks who are being overwhelmed right now. Like, ah, oh, I got to get my yard back up to snuff by you know April or so. What? Where do I start? That right there will kind of give you a little confidence boost, don't yeah. you think?
4: Use the leaves as mulch underneath these shrubs. It can be a good use for them too. Uh, get some pine straw or something, pine chips, and put those under these shrubs. Just as you say, just a little bit of action at the beginning of the spring. Makes everything else seem possible because you've made it pretty with not a lot of work.
2: See, Walter's still here motivating and inspiring us to make everything look neat and tidy and useful, too. Yeah. Practical purposes of for this. Thank you, Walter. A pleasure. So this is the time of the show every Saturday where Walter and I have a conversation about something seasonal, something timely. My thanks to him. 404 Anxious to talk to you. First up, Eddie in Dunwoody. Hey, good morning, Eddie.
5: Good morning, Ashley.
2: So, was the leaf conversation interesting to you? Or are you looking to maybe do some composting?
5: Exactly. Nice. Um, first, want to say that I didn't know that anybody could ever replace Walter, but you're doing a masterful job.
2: Thank you very, very much. I, I, I wish
5: you. I um, wish you decades of success.
2: I oh boy, <laughs> that's gonna be a <laughs> lot of shows. Me too. But I mean, he did it for twenty-six. I was with him for eight, and man, I mean, like. There's happy, cheerful people that call in on Saturday mornings. How could you go wrong? You know. And, uh, yeah. Thank you. Um, my
5: question is: last season, I was able to purchase a compost bin made with a 50-gallon uh, metal drum. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. It's got caster wheels, so I can actually spin it around. What I use is like a, a kitchen trash can with a half-inch sifter that I can sift wood you know, wood mulch with. And then I take um, a bin of shredded paper. I've got a real fine shredder. I um, add a bin of that. And then I put fireplace ashes. I put um, a can of coffee grounds and then some clean, crushed uh, eggshells. Uh-huh. What else do I need to do to make the perfect soil?
2: So I think you're well on your way. You've got some, some good stuff. So let's keep in mind when we're composting, Kind of thinking of the green material that you put in That's going to help produce nitrogen So like grass clippings, vegetable scraps um, Even coffee grounds, even though they're not green But those are going to help produce nitrogen Brown things produce carbon So like the dead leaves, uh, twigs w- What did you say? Wood? Um, no, well you said ash, right?
5: Ash and then I just sift um, You know, wood shape, wood um, chippings so they're not, you know, not big pieces of it. It's it actually comes out pretty fine.
2: Yeah. Okay. But I don't
5: put any any comp I don't put any uh food in it or anything like that. I don't put any grass in it. Yeah. What what should I add to it to make it good?
2: So some fruit and vegetable scraps could be good. Like I said, kind of the more green you can put in there the better for the nitrogen content. But you're doing okay. Great comp uh composting, the shredded paper, cardboard, you know, in small pieces. Um Eggshells are always good. Now, things that we don't want to do, I have had people say, "Is sawdust okay?" Sawdust isn't okay. You don't want to just throw any old leaves in there that may be diseased, or maybe you know, if you have a dog in your yard, the dog has kind of impacted. Some of the leaves that have fallen and they and they go in the yard. Um, so I think you're you're off to the right start. Really, there's not a whole lot more other than just maybe incorporating some vegetable scraps in there.
5: Well, that sounds good.
2: Yeah, and then just make sure, you know, how do you keep it wet when it's in the bin? Like, what do you do to keep it moist?
5: I really don't. Um, kind of dry, but I do sometimes put some, something in just to kind of mix it around, but not a lot of moisture.
2: Yeah. Does, it, um, does the bin allow for, like, you know, rain to get into it?
5: Actually, the guy cut the top off the bin and then replaced it with a mold, with a mesh. On, on the top of it And then he cut on the side of it Like a door, a trap door Where I can add stuff over time I mean, it's an ideal situation But um, I don't really put much moisture into it
2: Yeah, all right, well, very good And yeah, grass clippings, I said that um, Gosh, I mean, I think, you're, I think you're good, though Really, just the bulk of maybe those You know, five or six ingredients Are really off to a good start But make sure you turn it And you're well on your way Now, how long are you going to wait Before you really start incorporating that Into the garden?
5: You know, I don't know, I mean, how long should I wait? It's it's almost ready to go as soon as I mix it, but um, Of course, once I put it in the in the garden, it'll get moisture
2: Yeah, I'm kind of thinking, I mean, I don't know, people can call in if, if they have like a hard and fast rule But maybe three to six months, and you've let it break down, and you've let everything, to where, you know, when you actually It doesn't have a smell anymore, you know, once everything's decomposed and broken down really well, and it it has a good texture to it Almost like a spongy kind of texture But, you know, fine as well It's not like coarse and chunky And, you know, it can actually kind of go through your fingers Then you'll know that it's ready
5: Sounds good,
0: oh, thank I'm you very so much Oh, I'm so
2: glad you called What a what a cool thing, Eddie I appreciate you calling You have a good day Alright, you too Definitely follow back up with us I love that 404-872-0750 Up next, Gerald Hey, good morning, Gerald Where are you calling
5: from?
0: Good morning, Ashley. It's Cheryl calling you from Cascade, southwest right. Atlanta. It's been a while. Yeah, well, many of the homes are large. The yard's even bigger. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I love that. So you got your work cut out for you with Fescue, huh?
0: Yeah, I do. Well, Ashley, here's what happened. Uh, back in the fall, you know, we had a storm come through. and we had. Uh, I, I, I live in an urban forest. My backyard is two acres of, you know, just a lot of woods back there. But, um, but, two, but two Georgia pines
3: mm. split.
0: You know, oh, it boy. came down. And uh, in the storm. And so I had to, I had to call Trees and More to come out and clean up the trees for me, you know. And uh, they did a fabulous job, Trees and More did. But anyway, they came out and cleaned up the trees, but now I got a plant, got replanted some fescue where the trees messed up the ground. Yeah. So I want to know, I have a simple question. Should I, when should I put down the fescue seeds? I'll put down the Kentucky fescue seeds. Okay. just wanna know when should I put, it, put the seed down. I'll the r- 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 ground is warm.
2: So we're gonna wait just a little bit longer. Let's get a, f- a little bit further into March um, to to overseed. But the ideal time when it's really gonna take and it's really gonna hold is like between September 15th and Halloween ish. Oh, really? But I mean, still, like I mean, my husband and I did that. You know, definitely like seeding in the fall. But overseeding in March is still gonna help strengthen that lawn, maybe fill in some bare spots and all of that. But with that being said, those new Seedlings and then the new grass blades that are coming up now—they may not be strong enough to withstand like the heat, you know, in the in the summertime. But it's still oh, really going to be right. better than not having done it at all. You're still going to, you know, they're going to develop that root system enough to like hold the dirt in place. You know, it's going to prevent a little bit of erosion and puddling and mud and that kind of thing. So right
0: now, you. So right now, I got right now I got bare ground. Yeah. red dirt. So you think I should? So if I put down seed when the ground gets warm. The seed may not take off too well Is what you're telling me
2: It will It will Um, It just Not as much of it Is going to Survive As a fall application But still Yeah I mean you're going to have enough take To where you're going to Definitely see new grass So yeah Now is Now is probably A decent time to start Thinking about it Go ahead and pick up The fescue seed um, And make sure You know That's on you To keep it watered About an inch a week Um, Yeah Yeah
0: Don't don't need to When I put the seed down Don't need to kind of see in the ground a little bit and then just put the seed right on top of the ground and put wee straw on top of it
2: it definitely is best to go ahead and rough up the the surface of the lawn yeah absolutely okay. rough okay. it up because that's going to make better like seed to soil contact so that the okay. seed's not going to get blown away with the wind washed away with you know any heavy rains which we're not going to have this week that's good so you're controlling the water that it receives for now there's not going to be any downpours or anything yeah definitely rough that up a little bit I mean If nothing else, we'd rather you till it or aerate or something like that, but if nothing else, go ahead and at least rough it up with a rake or something like that, especially those spots... Gerald, that are like compacted and really okay. hard. You're going to need to break those up.
0: Now, how about wheat straw? Do you need to put wheat straw down on top of the seeds, or not, is that necessary?
2: It's not necessary, but you certainly can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it would behoove you to actually do that, keep it in place, and all that kind of stuff. Um, man, Gerald, you you know this. You're you're doing it right. So yes, uh, fescue seed, absolutely. Start thinking about that now. Just make sure, folks. Always want to give the warning this time of year. We just talked with Clint Waltz, pre-emergent herbicide, you're not going to do that. If you want to do that fescue seed right now, go right ahead, but then just skip the pre-emergence. You're going to have a few of those summer weeds that you don't want. But the tougher the lawn and the the more strong that grass is, that alone will help choke out some of the weeds, so pay attention to that. And then fertilizing, um, really you may be able to do it, Gerald, like in April, um, but then ideally we want to do like September early november like three times a year when we fertilize uh for fescue so put that on the calendar as well good to hear from you thanks for the call we're going to run and check traffic and weather and we'll be back with the top three things you need to do in the landscape this weekend on wsb now back
0: to green and growing with ashley frasca on 95.5 wsb atlanta's news and talk
2: We love that weather forecast you are hearing from Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz. Yeah, it's going to be partly cloudy today, and maybe in the mid-50s it'll be pretty pleasant, but a little brisk. And then tomorrow and Monday, highs in the low to mid-60s and lows only getting down to around 35, 36 degrees.
1: Green green and growing. Ashley Fraska's top three things to do this weekend.
2: All right. if you haven't already, number one, start seed indoors for the summer vegetables that you want to enjoy I haven't done mine yet, like I'm two weeks behind where I was last year Uh, But check out a checklist on my Green and Growing Facebook page Make sure you get started with everything you need, do it with the kids, it's a fun little project Number two, transplant trees and shrubs now, Jason just moved a maple I tried to move some shrubs the other day, wasn't real successful, so just planted new ones But break up the dirt Really well Before you backfill the hole And also just plant new stuff Like I did I planted azaleas You can plant for scythia. Pitosporum, they're pretty Uh, Rhododendrons, things like that And number three, I don't think it's too late to prune back Muscadine vines today I got the idea from our own Sandra Parrish A WSB reporter She recently got hers done in the North Georgia mountains And it was quite a task Hey Eddie, if you're still listening, composting We were talking about other things, manure, I forgot that one And this website I'm looking at, old wine I never have old wine left around At my house, it's all gone All right, coming up on 7 o'clock, I'm going to be joined by Georgia Forestry Commission, you don't want to miss it Thanks for listening to Green and Growing on WSB.